your wishes, that would be awesome. Amen? Amen. It's great to be here, and uh, I want to share today from this same subject of functional faith. Uh, Functional faith, it's the same subject that we began five weeks ago, and uh, it's the idea that we want our faith not to be something that we just talk about on Sunday, but we want our faith to be lived out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and Sunday. And so we want a faith that doesn't just make us look good on the outside, but it is lived out in our everyday life. Can I get an amen? That's the kind of faith we want, to really live it out. And so I want to take some time today in a very famous passage of Scripture, and I would ask, if you don't mind here, uh, just to stand while we read this passage. I know you guys have been getting up and down, up and down, but I just feel like, and if you, obviously, if it's really that an inconvenience, you could stay seated. It's all good. But I believe our posture is important. And when we have a posture where we're standing up and we're ready to receive the Word of God, I believe that He's going to do something in our heart this morning. And uh, I want to I read you a passage that's very famous. We're going to look at two scriptures this morning, two passages of scripture. And uh, it's going to be like a little bit of a sandwich in Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12, okay? So I'm going to read these two passages, and then uh, you're going to have a chance to sit down, okay? And so uh, let's look at these passages. Hebrews 11, verse 1. It says that now faith is the substance. Everybody say Substance. I love that idea that faith is the substance, that that faith isn't just something that we do on the side, but it's really the foundation of our whole life. It's, It's substance, it's made of something. Our faith is real. Our faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Verse three, by faith, We understand that the worlds were framed. The worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And then we're going to look here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us or ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Come on. He's the reason why we're here. It says looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Not only did he begin your faith, but he finished it. That he who began a work in you will carry it out to completion. The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down. Now, he didn't sit down because he was tired. He sat down because it was done. It was done. Everybody tell your neighbor, it is done. It is done. It's already done. It's already done. And has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, here's what we're going to do today. The sermon title... Uh, that I'm going to give you today is actually also a little bit of an exercise, and I want to talk about the frame game today. I want to talk about the frame game, and God, we want to come to you in prayer this morning. God, we are so grateful to be 
with you. We are so grateful that you are here. We're grateful for your presence, God, that even though all of us are imperfect, that all of us have our own baggage that we're coming in with today, that your son Jesus lived and died for our sins so that we can come in to your presence today. It has nothing to do with who we are. It has everything to do with who you are. And we want to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Move our hearts. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would break every barrier and chain that would keep us from connecting with you this morning. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Give a few people a high five. Tell them good morning. I'm so happy to see you today. So now to go to this passage, we're going to talk about the frame game today, the frame game. And to go to this passage where I read two little passages that are so well known, that are so well known. If these passages, Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12, if, if they were an exercise, they would be the push-ups of our faith. They really would. Because both are just really well-known passages. You know, where it says, now faith is the substance of things we hope for and the evidence of things not seen. And in Hebrews 12 says, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Those passages, if you've been around in church for any sort of, you know, any sort of time, you know that those passages are really well known. And in the middle of those verses, there is a picture that the author of Hebrews provides to encourage perseverance for anyone who is tired in their faith. For anybody who's a little bit fatigued in their relationship with God this morning. And to do it, to encourage you, he mentions people. He mentions these people in Hebrews 11 that he calls a cloud of witnesses. And so what this writer of Hebrews is doing is he's establishing what we would might call a framework of faith. A framework of faith. The interesting thing is that the list I didn't read you because in Hebrews 11, we call that the hall of faith. He talks about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joshua and all these amazing men and women in Scripture. He talks about all these people that are, that are bookended by these two passages that I read you in Hebrews 11 and 12. You guys with me so far? We're going to get into the, to the easy part, but I'm trying to set a foundation. I'm a trying to establish a framework before I get into it. Amen. But, he, but, but, but this picture that he provides for us is bookended by these two passages about faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for. And Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. And in between, what he gives is a picture. And these two passages serve as the frame for the picture. Now, you're probably a little, little bit confused right now. So here's what I want you to know. Sometimes the frame is more important than the picture. Sometimes the frame 
is more important than the picture. You're like, what does that even mean? Well, can I explain it? Can I explain a little bit? You're like, please explain it. I will. Check this out. It says, I'm going to look at what I put here. Sometimes the way you say something is more important than what you say. Sometimes the way, I heard some husbands say amen right now. Sometimes the way you say something is more important than what you say. You can say something to your kids meant to develop them that will destroy them all because of the way you framed it. Framework is important. Do we have any married people here today? Raise your hands. Proudly raise your hands. We got some married people in the house. The way you phrase things in marriage is really important. Am I right? And I just want to give you this quick tip because sometimes it's not what you're saying to your spouse. It's how you're saying what you're saying to your spouse that they can't hear it. I mean, if you really want to help your husband change, catch him doing something right and compliment him. Okay? But you don't, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Okay? You can keep critiquing him for what he's doing wrong and he'll keep doing it because men repeat what you feed them. So to understand how to effectively communicate with your mate, communicate with your mate, you have to learn the art of framing. The art of framing. I, I wasn't sure if I was going to share this, but a few weeks ago, Ayumi made this comment because I was looking at some pictures um, back a while ago, about 10 years ago. This year is my 10-year high school reunion. And so during that time, I was living a much different lifestyle. And I was, I was just like, I feel like, I told her, I feel like I look younger now than when I did at that time. And she looks at me and she says, yeah, but don't worry, you'll look better when you're older. And I thought, wait, I don't know if I should be discouraged or encouraged by what you just said. Like, does that mean I'm not good looking now? Or maybe I have hope that I'll someday be good looking, you know, like whatever. The art of framing. Can I get an amen? It's a framework. As a parent, the way you frame a question to your children, especially if they're younger, is so important, right? Now, my daughter just turned two this last Friday. She turned two years old, my daughter Hannah, and she's actually at home today. She has croup, uh, and so it's a little bit of a bummer. Um, But anyways, she just turned two, and I have so much to learn as a parent, but I think sometimes you as parents are tempted to give your kids that are small, I think you're tempted to give them too many choices. Like you're, you're tempted to give them too many options, okay? And again, this is just my theory because, you know, I only have a two-year-old daughter and I have a lot to learn. But the way I see it is that I don't ever give Hannah a fill-in-the-blank question for something that I'm asking her to do, okay? I give her multiple choice. Okay? So it's not, do you want to pick up your toys? I don't ask her that. I don't ask Hannah that. What I might say is, would you rather clean up your toys by yourself, or would you rather, Papa, would you rather me help you pick up your toys? Now, you have a choice. I can help you, or you could do it yourself. But either way, those toys are going to find their way to where they're supposed to be. 
or they might end up in the trash can, you know? Anyways, just kidding, that's mean. But anyways, it's, it's, it's framing, you follow me? It's, it's framing. There's consequences to your decision. Anyways, moving on, which brings us to Hebrews chapter 11, where it says here in verse 3, it says that by faith we understand that the worlds were what? Framed. Let me hear that again. That the worlds were what? Framed by the word of God. When I say framed, you know, if you're in the construction industry, you, you picture the raw material that builds the framework of a house. And that's a good picture because the scripture says that when God was looking for something strong enough to build the world with, there was no substitute for the raw material of his word. There was nothing strong enough to build the universe, and the best option available was his word. And so God framed and built the world, which is visible, through the word that is invisible. Okay? Now, we as sons and daughters of God get to imitate him in our life through this thing called faith. What I mean is that we get to take the same word of God that framed the world and we get to frame our lives with it. Think about that. That the same word of God that framed the universe is the same substance that you can build the structure of your life. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's awesome. So I want to talk about it for a little while today because I want to build my life with something that is strong, something that is sturdy and solid. And so I want to know, God, can I borrow some of this raw material? Your word. The, the word of God is powerful enough to shape and create my life. And now I get to frame my life using the same substance that God used to form the universe. And so I get, I gotta have a sense of, follow me, focus. I gotta have a, a sense of focus. Everybody say focus. Say it again with faith, focus. Focus, would you, would you write that word down? Could you write that word down? Focus. Some of you are playing on your phone, but you need to focus and write down the word focus, okay? Everybody say focus. Focus, okay, I, I'm beating that word over the head. Now, here's the part about this thing called focus. Focus is a skill that must be sharpened continually, especially in our world today with so many distractions. Never before has the skill of focus been more important. Can I get an amen? amen? And I get a lot of practice with it in preaching because how well I think the message is going totally depends on who I focus on while I'm preaching. And so there's times where my focus could be looking at you guys. You know, my, I really, my, my goal as a preacher is to focus on God. Because it's not about me and it's really not about you. It's really all about God. But there's times when I start looking around and, 
and I'm looking at you while I'm preaching and I get a little bit discouraged because you don't always look like you're getting anything. You're kind of looking at me like with your head to the side and, and so I get a little discouraged as I'm preaching the word, but then I remember, hey, it's really not about me or you, it's about God, okay? Can I get an amen? amen. Everybody say, I'm focused. I need to be focused. I mean, you would be surprised what you could do if you would just get focused in your life. Really, you would, and it doesn't mean that chaos stops in your life. Because you can't control everything that happens around you. You can't control what that person is saying to you. And so you need to control your frame. You need to control your focus. Check this out. This picture, I have a picture for you. This picture uh, was taken on our last trip to Japan. This is my wife's family, okay? Uh, we, we go to Japan regularly to visit them. And so this is her mom, Yoko. And this is her sister, Satsuki. And this is Moe. And this is Ayumi. And this is my daughter, Hannah. This is all the girls from her side of the family. And um, this is, a picture, this is a, a picture of our last trip to Japan, as I told you already. Um, but this picture is what I would call a tight shot. It's a tight shot. That means that this picture is only designed to show my family. Okay? Because I want you to see that you choose your focus. You see, I made the decision as the photographer, I made the decision as the picture taker, picture taker what needs the attention. But it's interesting when you're working with the wide shot. Look at the wide shot, okay? It's interesting when you're working with the wide shot. The people in the background are now a distraction because what are they even doing there? Come on, like what are they even doing there? Don't they, can't they see that we're trying to take a family picture? That is so rude, okay? But, but let's just say I can't make those people go away, okay? Watch what I could do. I, I can focus. I can focus. I'm trying to say that those people may not get out of the way, but that doesn't mean I have to keep them in my frame. They might stand there, but my faith gives me a focus. A focus. Everybody say focus. You see, faith is powered by focus. And so I decide as the picture taker what I want in the frame. That's my decision. It's a matter of focus. And so you frame up your life. You do it every day. And Hebrews 11 and 12 gives us a framework of faith, a focal point telling us to fix our eyes, to focus our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And now we need Peter, the apostle Peter, to come and show us how to walk on water. To walk on water. But uh-oh, he slipped. He slipped because he let the wind and the waves into his frame. 
He was walking on water as long as he was looking at Jesus. But as soon as he let the wind and the waves into his focus, he lost his faith. He lost his focus. And we can't blame him because the wind and the waves were there. We can't blame him for that, okay? The wind and the waves were there while he was walking on the water. But when you allow things in your frame that break your focus, your faith is weakened. And you will never build a solid faith with a weak focus. Let me say that again. You will never build a solid faith with a weak focus. Oh, well, following Jesus is so hard. No. Are you focused on Jesus? Are you focused on Jesus. Everybody shout focus. focus. Everybody shout it out. Focus. focus. Some of you won't even receive this word at a deep enough level to build your faith for your life because you're not focused on what I'm saying. You're thinking about who you're meeting after church and where you're going to go to lunch. But if you would focus on this word, then the breakthrough that you've been looking for might just happen in your life today. All you got to do is focus. Focus. Let's build this out, actually, okay? We need to focus, and then what we need is a frame of reference. Everybody say reference. Reference. We're, we're, we're making our way through this. A frame of reference. And so the writer of Hebrews said that God started the world with his word. He said, let there be light. He spoke the world into existence. And now you can frame your world according to the same word that God spoke the universe into existence. It's amazing. He's giving a frame of reference all the way to Jesus who endured the shame of the cross through faith. It's a frame of reference because the writer of Hebrews is writing to a church that is suffering. This church in Hebrews is having a hard time and so he's giving them a frame of reference reminding them. He's, re he's reminding them of, of guys like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. This is the picture that, that's inside of the frame of Hebrews 11 and 12. He's giving them a picture and it's giving them a frame of reference. Like when I took Ayumi on a date to Pasadena a few months back, okay? Yes, I take my wife on dates, okay? I took my wife on a date to Pasadena uh, and this was a few months ago. And you would probably be shocked to find out that we waited in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic for almost an hour. Because when is there traffic in Southern California? <laughs> Shocking, right? It seems like it doesn't matter what direction you're going and what time of the day. It could be 3 a.m. in the morning and you'll still hit traffic somewhere in California. It's mind-blowing, really. I'm not even mad. It's, it's impressive. Anyways, but to be completely honest with you, to be completely honest with you, at first, I was really upset. I was frustrated. And, and honestly, I don't do well in traffic. I, I really don't. And I got, I, got, I got really upset. But when I found out that somebody had been in a serious accident, I realized that I might have to wait in traffic for a little while. But... That person might be fighting for their life in that moment. 
that's such a humbling thought, right? Because you know when you get traffic and you're like, oh, you're angry. How could somebody stop me from getting to where I need to go? And then you realize that this person might be dying. It's a humbling thought. And the longer I sat there, the less frustrated I was, and the more I started to realize that this might be how I'm spending the next 30 minutes, but this person may not wake up tomorrow morning. Nothing changed but the frame. Nothing changed about my situation but how I framed it. That's so often what we need is a frame of reference because many times your perspective is developed in reverse. What I mean is that sometimes the way you get through what you're going through right now is going to the wide shot, okay? Sometimes to get through what you're going through in your life, you gotta zoom out and look at the whole picture. You, you gotta look at the wide shot because the wide shot is what gives us a frame of reference, okay? This is the tight shot. The tight shot is important, but sometimes what I need what I need is a wide shot, okay? Sometimes I need a frame of reference to realize that what I was, I was worried last month about paying rent, but God made a way and I was able to pay it. And if he made a way last time, then for sure he's gonna make a way this time. I gotta zoom out and I gotta see the faithfulness of God in my situation. Are you with me? It's a frame of reference, and this is why we're instructed in the Bible so many times to remember. 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 Because sometimes you gotta play the tape back. Sometimes you gotta remind yourself of how faithful God is. Because if God rescued you last time, then he is more than competent to, to save you and rescue you this time. Because he's a faithful God. Can I get an amen? You know, because the enemy, what he's going to try to do is he's going to try to get you so focused on this one frame. This one thing, and you will lose your whole frame of reference. I mean, what are you doing staying up at light, staying up at night worried about that? Why are you worrying about that one thing? All you got to do is zoom out and change your frame of reference. You know, that's why I came to church, by the way. That's why I come to church. I needed to be around some other believers. I needed to widen my frame of reference to see that it's not just about me, that there's so many more people that are in this battle together. That's why we come to church. I needed to remember that I'm not the only one serving God. I needed a reminder that I'm not the only one going through difficult times. And so I need Jesus to remind me that he endured the cross for me. And because he did that for me, I can make it through whatever I'm going through in my life right now. It's a frame of reference. It's a frame of reference. So we zoom out and we zoom in in life, and what we really need to do to be successful is keep it in the frame. Keep it in the frame. Everybody say, keep it in the frame. Keep it in the frame because you've got to keep hope in the frame. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And so faith is that invisible connection point 
by which I reach out and grab whatever I'm hoping for and I bring it into this moment. And that requires what I call anticipation. Anticipation. I'm building something here, by the way. I'm building something. I'm, 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 I'm framing something here. Are you following me? Okay. I'm, get, I'm almost done, okay? You know, the thing that faith and fear both have in common, and you probably didn't know that there was any similarities between faith and fear, but the thing that they both have in common is that they are both powered by anticipation. Faith and fear are both powered by anticipation. So you wake up in the morning, and if you frame your day with the anticipation of depression and discouragement, some of you have framed your day to be horrible before it ever got started. Oh, I, got a, I got a tough week coming up. Um, this is going to be a struggle this week. Yeah, I guess you, you, you will have a struggle this week because you framed it that way. I guess you do. I wouldn't want to be you this week either. Not the way you're talking about it. Because the worlds were framed, the worlds were framed by what was spoken. So when, so when you say it's going to be a tough week, you're speaking something that you're going to see, but it's coming out of your own mouth. There's times when, as I, when I come to midweek or I come to when we have our team midweek or I come here on Sunday and I'm wondering, man, how many people are going to be here? It's kind of empty, right? And I start getting discouraged and I start thinking in my head, this is not going to be a good night. And I just got rid of that garbage. I'm like, I don't care if two of you showed up and you were sitting in the front row. Man, we are going to have an amazing time today. We're going to have an awesome time. And God's going to move. Can I get an amen? It don't matter how many people are here. It doesn't matter. And so the psalmist had the right idea. If you look in Psalm chapter 118, uh, verse 24, he says, This is the day the Lord has made. What's he doing? He's framing his day. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Well, what are you glad about? I don't know yet, but I will be glad. And I will rejoice. Amen. You're going to freak people out when you start acting this way, by the way. It's going to freak people out. You're going to be at the same job this week as you were last week, and people are going to be looking at you like, what happened to you? Did you get a promotion that we don't know about? And you'll be like, no, I didn't get a new promotion. I got a new perspective. I got a new frame. I got a new frame. Everybody say, I got a new frame. I got a new frame. That's what happened. Some of you have been talking to your girlfriends about your husband and complaining about him. When you get around those same girlfriends this week and you start to brag about all the things that he's doing right, they're going to look at you like, did you get a new husband? You're like, no, I didn't get a new husband. No, I put him in a new frame. I put him in a new frame. I started looking for something that I could be glad about. I started looking for something that I could rejoice about. I started looking for the good in my husband. I started looking for the good in my wife. I started looking for all the things that are noble and praiseworthy. That sounds like Philippians 4 Wait, We just did a series on that. Amen. Anyways, moving forward, it's about how you frame it up. It's how you frame it up. Everybody say frame it up. Frame it up. 
I wonder what your week would look like if you framed it up before you went into it. But if you took some time tonight and, and, and opened the word of God tonight and began to frame your week, I wonder what would happen. Frame it up. And I like the way that sounds. Frame it up. Have you, you, you've seen this before. Frame it, frame it up. Frame it up. I think that's what worship is, by the way. I think, I think that's what worship is. We're, we're framing it up. We're framing it up. Because sometimes in our faith, we get tired. And you know what you do when you get tired in your faith and you're running? This is what happens. You put your hands on your knees. But in sports, they always tell you, get your hands off your knees and do this. Why? Because when your hands are on your knees, you can't get oxygen into your lungs. I think that's why God says praise, to praise him. So instead of me, when I'm tired, putting my hands on my knees and my faith, maybe I should start to praise God. Because when I praise God, it allows the oxygen of his word to fill my life and give me the inspiration to keep on going. Oh, I'm feeling good. Anyways, sorry for that noise. That was weird, okay? But I just felt really excited right now. Sorry. Because when I lift my hands, you need to know what I'm doing. I'm framing it up. That's what we do when we sing songs, when we worship God. We are, we're framing it up. I'm saying that when the wind and the waves come, I will not be afraid because I have Jesus in my boat and I got faith that's focused. I can't look back. I can't look down. I got to look up and I got to praise God. I got to fix my eyes on Jesus. So it's anticipation and watch this. This is good. It's it's motivation. Everybody say motivation. 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 Now I need to tell you something. I am a driven, I'm an image-driven person, okay? I'm an image-driven person. So faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I have a great imagination. I have a great imagination. And so I picture in my mind hundreds of students that someday will fill this whole section Hundreds of high school students coming, to, to, coming to, to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn and to, to see their lives be changed. I have a, an image in my mind of students filling out this whole front part. And then we're going to have to be like, hey, everybody else, you're going to have to scoot on back. Okay? Because we... Or we can all sit in the back or whatever. But, you know, we got to make some room. I have an image in my mind that someday students will fill this entire section. And we're going to keep praying and we're going to keep working until what is not seen becomes the reality of what we hope for. Okay? But sometimes on Wednesday and Thursday, I don't feel it. I don't feel it. Like, do you ever just don't feel it, anybody? Or is that just me? You're just like, don't feel it. Okay, like five of us. Cool. Like, I still love God. I still love you. Okay? I still love his word. But I have to have pictures. I have to have pictures to motivate me. 
And about a few months ago, my wife Ayumi caught a moment on the playground between me and my daughter Hannah. And she captured this moment, and this is right on the screensaver of my phone, but it's this picture right here. Okay? And that's my daughter Hannah, and that's my hand right there. I'm pushing her on the swing. But what I want to point your attention, do you see how Hannah is looking at me? In my mind, that picture puts me in the right frame. It it puts me in the right frame of mind to remember that someone is looking up to me. Because look at how she's looking at me. She's looking at me like I'm her hero. Don't you agree? I mean, I can frame it however I want to frame it, right? (laughs) Tell somebody, frame it up. Frame it up, frame it up. So sometimes I look at it and I think, I got people counting on me this week. I got a little girl at home that's counting on me to be the best man of God, to be the best father and husband as I can possibly be. She's looking at me to be the best me. And the way she's looking at me, it motivates me to dig deeper. I got, a, I got a, a woman at home named Ayumi who is my wife, and she's looking at me this week to lead her spiritually. That I would be the first one to lead through sacrifice and service, and I would lead her to Jesus. I got a group of young men and women here that motivate me to keep coming back. Sometimes they frustrate me, but, but they motivate me. They, they motivate me. I love that group. This is my reason for being on this earth, right here. That's my calling. That's a motivation. I got, it's a reminder that, that I got people looking up to me. I got people looking up to me. Now, if that motivates me, consider Jesus, because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, is looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set, what? Before. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What is that? What is that joy that was set before him? That's you. That's you. It means that while he was on the cross, while he was dying, the motivation that he had to endure was the glory of his Father and the salvation of every one of you. That's what kept him on the cross when he could have given up. That's what kept him there. It was because of you. And so I need to be reminded in life that that sometimes I can get so focused on one moment that I can compromise everything that's related to my destiny in one moment. So I got to realize that what I'm doing by faith isn't just for me. What you need to realize today that what you're doing by faith isn't just for you. This is a generational faith. I want something to hand to my daughter that's worth holding on to that she can now pass on to her children someday. It's bigger than you and me. What is your motivation? You see, sometimes what you need is a frame of motivation, but there are also some things that that are in your life right now that, that need to be 
eliminated. There's some things in your life that need to be eliminated from your frame. And that's the fifth thing that I wanted to get to today. And I'm going to close out on this point here. Because I want you to realize that as you frame your life, as you frame your life, as you reframe your situation, it's going to take focus. It's going to take focus. It's going to... It's going to take a perspective to have a new frame of reference to realize that there are other people who are going through worse than you're going through right now, and they're making it. That there's more to this life than the season that you're living in, and it's going to take anticipation to know that, that, that i got to be ready for change, and i got to be ready for the challenge, but my life is, is framed by the Word of God. And so I'm not worried about it because this day, today, I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. And I've got a spirit of motivation for the joy set before me. I'm going to endure just like Jesus endured. But the writer of Hebrews, okay, he says he wants us to know that we need to, let, to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. That there are some things right now in your life called weight and sin that, that need to be removed from your frame. And this is going to be so freeing for you because you didn't know you could do that. And if you don't get anything else, I know I said a lot today, but if you don't get anything else from what I said, this is what I want you to see. This is the one thing I want you to leave with. You can't always change your situation, but you can change your frame. You can change your frame. You can have the right focus and the right frame of reference and, and the right anticipation and motivation and there's some things that you can eliminate from your life so that you can change your frame. It may not make your situation better in this moment, but it might just change your perspective. And you didn't know, but faith is a frame. And so my advice for you today is to change your frame. And I think the writer of Hebrews would agree. He would say, when you fix your eyes on Jesus, even if you haven't fixed the situation, but if you fix the frame and you bring into visibility what really matters, you're going to be okay. You're going to make it. You're going to get there. And so I want to pray that you would become a framer in your everyday life. And this means that you will seek potential in people that other people don't see potential in. This means that you're going to stop spending all your time trying to frame everybody else's life and just start framing your own. So I want you to stand, I want you to, as we get into the presence of God, as we pray right now, I want, I want you to do something that is symbolic in the church for thousands of years. I just want you to lift your hands. Everybody just lift your hands here for a moment. Nothing special about this. It's just a posture of me framing it up. Everybody say, frame it up. Amen. It's you framing it up. I don't want you to hold it there for a minute. This is functional faith, so we're going to get a little bit of a workout this morning. But I just want you to hold your hands while I pray for you as we get ready for the communion. God, we lift our hands. We let go of all the things that are in our frame right now that are weighing us down. We let go of all the shame and the past and the stuff that we can't change, we let it go. And we, and we let go of all the people that might have hurt us in the past. And we just, we want to lift our hands and worship to you this morning, Father. That you would change our perspective. That you would give us a new frame. 
that even when Jesus felt like he wanted to quit, he fixed his eyes on you and he remembered that he was doing this for the salvation of this world. God, I pray that in this moment, no matter where we are in our faith, I pray that we would see that there is so much that is on the line depending on how we frame our lives today. Give us the faith, the focus, the reference, the anticipation, the motivation, and the elimination to fix our eyes on Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for what you did on the cross for us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.